welcome to a new episode of the Future of Business podcast. I'm April with Fast Future Publishing. It's been a while since our last podcast, and in between now and then, we've expanded the store with a few new books and free presentations on our website. To take a quick look at one of our new books, we've added Resilience in the Future of Everyday Life by financial advisor and futurist James Lee. Resilience takes a look at the problems we're facing today, such as the financial chaos and skyrocketing debt most of us are facing, environmental worries and climate change, and James poses the question, what if these problems, this so-called coming apocalypse, leads not to societal collapse, but to a more resilient way of life? What if these global problems initiate a positive cultural transformation? Check out James's book, Resilience and the Future of Everyday Life, at fastfuturepublishing.com along with our other futures books from the likes of Karen Sands, an expert in the field of Gero futures and the longevity economy, as well as Vern Realwright, a founder of the personal futures field, and Sohel Inayatola, a world-renowned futurist with over 30 years' experience in futures research and application within organizations. Also, under our stores link, you can now find free presentations and report from our founder and CEO, Rohit Tawar. We've pulled together a collection of Rohit's most popular and insightful presentations throughout the years. They cover a range of topics from the future of the internet, fintech, business, and AI, to the future of airport, travel, and tourism. Find them on our website and under store on the main menu. And just one more quick announcement. We will be launching a sale next week on the future of business. It's been one year since we published the book, and we'd like to celebrate by showing our appreciation to all of you who've made the future of business such a great success. For more on the sale, head to our website and sign up for the newsletter. You'll find the form on the homepage. We'll be sending out details and the coupon code early next week. On today's podcast, we've got author Ann Boyson reading her chapter, Generation Z in the Workforce. If you're interested in learning more about the book, The Future of Business, and our authors, check us out at fastfuturepublishing.com. In her chapter, Ann Boyson, a futurist and a researcher specializing in generational analysis, examines the evolving nature, expectations, and workforce implications for those born after 1995, the so-called Generation Z. Here's Anne Boyce in reading her chapter, Generation Z in the Workforce from the Future of Business. Hello, I'm Anne Boyson. I'm a futurist and consultant for the Pearson Strategy Group and founder of After the Millennials. After the Millennials is the first and only consulting service that specifically focuses on the post-millennial generation or the future they are shaping and shaped by. I'm also Vice President of the Central Texas Chapter of the World Future Society in Austin, Texas. My website is afterthemillennials.com, where you can find my contact information and social media extensions. I will be reading my chapter, Generation Z in the Workforce, in the book, The Future of Business. Generation Z in the Workforce by Anne Boysen. Generation Z represent over 25% of the population in 2015 and will soon start entering the workforce. How can business and society prepare for them? This chapter looks at various macro trends that are shaping the demographic makeup of Generation Z. I examine the attitudes, preferences, and expectations that this group of highly diverse youngsters will have in common and the possible implications for their employers.
What constitutes Generation Z? There's always some debate about when each generational cohort starts and ends. For the purposes of this chapter, I use the following definitions: Builders, 1925 to 45; Baby Boomers, 1946 to 64; Generation X, 1965 to 79; Generation Y, 1980 to 94. Then it becomes more complex. From surveys and reports to think pieces and their acerbic comment sections, it's clear that we're far from a universal agreement on when Generation Z was first conceived. Were they born in mid '90s or mid '90s? What should they be called? It doesn't help that we're dealing with two different classification systems that are often used interchangeably. In the mid '90s, the popular publication Ad Age. Suggested that the transition between Generation Y and Z happened around 1995, a cutoff point which was subsequently considered arbitrary and not cohesive with any underlying theory of social change. The authors behind the millennial moniker, historians William Strauss and Neil Howe, on the other hand, foresaw a crisis era developing around the mid 2000s. Which would kick off a new generational zeitgeist. Following the dot-com bust, terrorist attacks, and financial collapse of 2008, it became clear that a cascade of crisis-related events had indeed catapulted us into a new era that would most likely bring on a new generational zeitgeist, almost a decade after Adage had suggested. Unable to agree on precise timescales. Many dismiss generational theories altogether. While this article does not aspire to settle the debate, the reader should be aware of the controversy, so as not to be confused by the current cacophony of generational labels and eras. This article chooses to use a cutoff point of 1995 between Generation Y and Z, not because it's the most accurate, but because it is the most frequently used. Moreover, data is more readily available for this category. While data from the West is more easily obtainable, special efforts have been made to include globally representative data. The family environment. Generation Z has come of age during a time when overzealous and interventionist parental styles have been characterized in our modern vernacular through terms like helicopter parenting, curling parenting, and tiger moms. A news cycle that feeds on fear has convinced many parents that an array of horrific threats lurk around the corner. This has significantly reduced the amount of free outdoor play for millennial and Generation Z children. The truth is that the world is safer today than it has ever been. This long-neglected truth is finally starting to seep into the mainstream, along with the idea that excessive parental protectiveness probably comes with its own cost. As a result, the younger crop of parents. Tends to intentionally raise their children differently from how they themselves were raised, rather than relying on experts and grandmothers. Young parents turn to social networks and friends. 
This leads to more nuanced advice enabled by modern information technology. We might witness more parents who shoot for simply being good enough. The ultra-devout parent who waits impatiently outside the dean's office to profess their Snowflake's special brand is headed for the comics. So too is the sports-obsessed parent who rants uncontrollably from the sidelines at their kids' soccer games. This shift in parenting attitudes could reinforce the move away from the blue-sky aspirations that were so emblematic of the millennials' childhoods toward more pragmatic goal-setting. A web of global peers and strangers. Generation Z will live their most productive years during a global population peak. At the same time, the economic gap between OECD countries and non-OECD countries is expected to narrow. However, while economic growth decreases the income gap between countries, it is gradually increasing the income discrepancies within them. This economic globalization leads to new cultural ties between geographically remote regions, while geographically closer subregions grow apart culturally, hence the growing urban-rural divide in many countries. A middle-class teenager in London might feel that she has much more in common with a teenager in Sao Paulo while feeling estranged from another teen just a few boroughs away. We can expect these new geographical alignments to have consequences for how young people choose to study, work, collaborate, and compete. Most forecasts and scenarios suggest global economic power will shift toward Asia, which is affecting the distribution of work in the global knowledge economy. By 2020, globally around 40% of Generation Z with higher education will be from China or India. This is due to those countries having a larger share of the youth population and also to competitive factors. Emerging economies are experiencing more rapid growth than the West, so we should expect to see a shift from manufacturing jobs to more high-tech, high-skilled employment opportunities in those countries. Moreover, women, in these countries in particular, are starting to outnumber men in the educational arena and are choosing fields of study that will be in high demand in the coming decades, such as those in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Peak Education in the West Surprisingly, while tertiary education should continue to rise in most BRIC countries, higher education might level off and even decline with Generation Z in some Western countries. During the last recession, they saw their parents and older siblings be laid off in droves or demoted to positions that they are overeducated for. The sluggish world economy has put a damper on recruitment and prevented advancement opportunities for younger generations, as baby boomers hold on to their senior positions and postpone retirement. Consequently, younger generations are likely to perceive education as a less-than-safe investment. Furthermore, potential employers are increasingly outspoken about a growing skills gap, which they believe is caused by outdated educational systems which fail to fill workplace needs. In response, 
traditional education models and approaches are being overturned. For example, while U.S. college tuition charges rose by almost 80% more than cost increases in any other sector between August 2003 and August 2013, access to knowledge in the Internet age is nearly ubiquitous and cost-free. Consequently, formal education's traditional stamp of knowledge authority is fading. Into this vacuum emerge Silicon Valley tycoons like Peter Thiel, who encourages students to drop out of college to start entrepreneurial careers instead. While this strategy is undoubtedly risky for most startup hopefuls, the intervention has engendered social debates which embolden our youngest generation to consider career alternatives outside the well-beaten path of academia. In 2030, we're likely to see an increasingly diversely educated workforce encompassing entrepreneurs who develop their own brands of expertise by means of various hacker approaches, along with apprenticeships, online courses, and peer-to-peer -peer arrangements. In this emerging skills universe, traditional university degrees could become a thing of the past, or a rare symbol of exclusivity for the upper class, similar to designer brands and luxury cars. This is partly due to a trend where today's affluent parents often display their social ranks through the Ivy League status of their children. Entrepreneurial World Savers Millennials are often believed to be our most entrepreneurial generation. But survey data reveal that they might in fact be the most risk-averse and least entrepreneurial when it compared to boomers and Generation X. On the other hand, 61% of Generation Z say that they would rather be an entrepreneur than an employee after college. While it remains to be seen if this attitude will persist as they encounter the challenges associated with adult life, the aforementioned educational trends suggest that we could expect to see a deluge of startups and freelancers in the next decades. If history is any guide, then some startup ventures will succeed, but most will fail. While the social stigma around business failure is declining, the monetary aspects could be harder to handle than ever before. At the time of writing, new tech startups are experiencing a surge of venture capital investments, but rumors that many of these tech enterprises might be overvalued could burst the capital bubble, possibly affecting the volume of seed money available to future startups. With technology that permits competitors to scale globally, the idea of market share gives way to market dominance. The result is an unsustainable global entrepreneurial dynamic with few winners and many losers. Real or perceived risk could abate Generation Z's interest in going solo and convince them to exercise their entrepreneurial spirits as intrapreneurs in large companies instead. Younger generations also tend to be favorable to governmental subsidies and industrial clusters that can help absorb some of these risks and provide economic and social support for solo entrepreneurs. 
Generation Z's financial pragmatism and relatively risk-averse flavor suggest that they will be more open to use political means to level the playing field or provide better social security. This could be one reason for why American Generation Z teenagers are more likely to support universal health care than any other generation before them. We should also not be surprised if Generation Z voters in many countries put pressure on legislators to introduce basic guaranteed incomes. A strengthened healthcare system means more than just getting treatment when you're sick. It also provides jobs. As boomers age, degrees and certificates in gerontology will be in high demand even as we start outsourcing more functions to medical technology. One issue is privacy concerns, in which health data is particularly vulnerable. Furthermore, the human aspects of healthcare are difficult to robotize, but not impossible. For example, Paro, the robotic companion seal, has taken off in Japan, comforting the elderly in lieu of healthcare personnel. Skeptics are concerned an important human component will disappear from healthcare should computerized solutions take over. Professor Sherry Turkle at Massachusetts Institute for Technology researches human-robot relationships and claims that despite our growing tolerance for substituting human-emotional relations with robots, these relationships are deceptive. Technology in the Workplace While older generations may recoil at the idea of emotional robotization, it is possible that younger generations will find this more natural. Also called digital natives, Generation Z has grown up in the constant presence of interactive screens and digital personal assistants. Surprisingly, they still confess a preference for face-to-face -face interaction but it is quite likely that they will at least tolerate substituting physical presence with digital interfaces better than past generations. A casual attitude towards blurring the lines between physical and digital will also influence the workplace behaviors and expectations. More cloud-based work means that Generation Z will expect to work anyhow, anywhere, and anytime. Just as brick-and-mortar schools disintegrate with shifting attitudes toward education, so too could workplaces. As retiring boomers start vacating jobs to younger generations, Generation Z may experience greater demand and start dictating their desired working conditions more than employers experienced with dutiful Generation Xers and opportunity-pinched millennials. Generation Z might expect to report to work on their own preferences, working on a project basis rather than by the hour. Employers who provide engaging work tasks will gain from these arrangements, especially since they can spur serendipitous encounters in creative communities and co-working arrangements, which are hard to replicate in formal office environments. 
When work is no longer a physical place, bring your own device and find your own nook could become the new normal under the imperative of lean business management. Alas, job seekers' ability to absorb what used to be considered corporate expenses could exacerbate the new class divides we are already starting to see in a digital reputation economy, adding to a growing skills gap. The most attractive workers will be those who can take on these expenses or who possess qualities that let them negotiate better work arrangements. Final thoughts. Will Generation Z become paralyzed by the misgivings of a troubled future they cannot create but only mend? Or will their spirited entrepreneurialism circumvent business and society and kindle new types of sustainable and equitable prosperity? Efforts to collect comprehensive data on Generation Z are just beginning, so we are only starting to see the possible contours of our youngest generation's collective personality. Inferring singular traits about populations the size of whole generations is no small feat. The attributes sketched out in this chapter are at best suggestive. Even in the wake of big data, longitudinal observations are costly to collect, and the internal variations within generations are significant. We can at best brush with broad strokes. But can we afford not to try to understand our successors only because our methods are imperfect? The evolution of Generation Z raises some critical questions for business. How does your organization currently go about understanding and addressing the needs of different generations in the workforce? What are the implications of the needs and expectations of Generation Z for recruitment, training and development, leadership, remuneration, and rewards? What are the challenges of serving the growing Generation Z customer base? This concludes the chapter Generation Z in the Workforce by Anne Boyson. A special thanks to Anne for reading her chapter and for her patience at how long it took me to get her episode aired. And of course, a thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you like the podcast, do us a favor and rate us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, or simply tell your friends about us. If you have any feedback, I can always be reached at april at fastfuturepublishing.com. And to pick up a copy of the book, The Future of Business, to learn more about us, to see our new books, and to find out about our sales, visit us at fastfuturepublishing.com. Until next time, I'm your host, April Corey, and I'll talk to y'all later.